thank you so very much for being here. I don't know if you have thought about how amazing it is that we're actually here. Now, it's a wonderful thing where we get to worship on a regular basis on Sunday. It's an incredible facility. But to also be able to have the opportunity to have a presence on this particular street in this city is a great honor. And it's a testimony of what God is doing. Because we're here, not because of a plan or because of efforts of man, but because of prayer. Because God has answered prayers. And so the things that happen out of this place, like the ministry to those who, who work in the, in the brothels, uh, the sex tra- workers, the ministry to the homeless, um, the ministry to the community, those things are all powered by prayer. Now we're going to talk a little bit more about what we began last week in a passage in Zechariah, and then we're going to look at a passage briefly in Luke. But... I want to encourage us first to not take prayer for granted. Before our uh, rehearsal today, Becky and I were meeting with a, with a man who she had met at open worship down on Vaklovska Namaste on Saturday. And um, he had some spiritual questions, and so we got to, to meet at Starbucks and, and talk with him. And one of his biggest questions, the things that he's, he's trying to get his understanding around is because of his spiritual background, he's wondering, who do I need to pray to? Do I need to pray to a saint? Do I need to pray to a priest? Who will hear my prayers? And as we shared the scripture, I don't know how much of his understanding was there or praying that the Holy Spirit would would bridge the gap between our languages. But what a joy it is to know that God himself has invited each and every one of us into his presence in prayer. Prayer is the mechanism by which we are to know God and make God known. We've been looking at that over the last few weeks. But also prayer and faith are absolutely connected together. In fact, they are interdependent. They are like lungs and oxygen. Oxygen is only beneficial when we breathe it in and breathe it out. The same is true in prayer. If we're not exercising prayer, if we're only talking about prayer rather than actually praying, it has no spiritual power and no effect and benefit on our life or more importantly, on this world. But there's a passage that we looked at last week in Zechariah that I want to go back to and and just share a couple other thoughts on before we spend some time praying. Zechariah chapter 8, verse 20. Thus says the Lord of hosts, people shall yet come. And as I mentioned last week, that peoples means a gathering or a group or a congregation. It could be a church or a group of churches. People shall yet come, even inhabitants of many cities. The inhabitant of one city shall go to another, saying, Let us go at once to entreat the favor of the Lord and to seek the Lord of hosts. I myself am going. Now this passage is a prophecy that's talking about 
something that God is going to do through his people in the end times. Something that leads up to, I believe, the fulfillment of the Great Commission to take the gospel to all peoples. And that when the gospel has been proclaimed to all peoples, Jesus will return. Now, there are some interesting things about this group of people. First of all, it tells us that they are a multicultural people. They're from many cities. Now think about that. Most churches, if you are to ask them what city they're from, the vast majority are going to be from right in that area. But here, we are literally gathered from all over the globe. You can't get much more multicultural than an international church. It's a beautiful thing. Secondly, they're a united people. They are one in their heart, in their vision, and in their purpose. They're united in love for God and love for one another. And that is incredibly important because as we grow closer and closer to one another, we will grow stronger and stronger in prayer and we'll see God do more things. Thirdly, they're a missional people. They choose to go, taking the gospel with them wherever they go. Fourthly, they're a prayerful people. They entreat the favor of the Lord. They're, they're wanting to know, God, what is it that you want? That's what it means to entreat the favor of the Lord. It's not, Lord, how can um, I do all the things that will make you do what I want you to do? That's usually what we look at it in prayer, is what are the things I need to do in order to hear the answer that I'm hoping for? To entreat the favor of the Lord means that we're seeking his heart and his desires. They're also a worshipful people. It was beautiful to hear our worship in here. There's one of the things that's nice about being in a smaller room is you really hear one another worshiping together. And it's beautiful. May not be as beautiful to the neighbors, but we're hoping that it draw, draws their heart. And then finally, they will be personally committed. Each one of them says, I myself am going. I'm in. I'm ready to do something. I want to pray. I want to make a difference. Through the prophet Zechariah, God is telling us that there is a group, a congregation coming that God is going to use to be a catalyst in prayer that spreads all over the face of the earth and ultimately leads back to Jerusalem. It's incredible. But the problem is, oftentimes we look at verses like this and we think, yeah, but what could, I mean, can God really do something that big with us, with a church like us? Well, let me give you an, a, an example of something that happened right here in this area 200 years ago. 200 years ago, a little over that now, there were a group of refugees that fled from Moravia because of persecution, spiritual persecution. They were committed to the Lord. They wanted to, to seek Him with all that they could, and so they left and they went north to Hernhut, just over the border in Germany. And there God brought them together with a young count by the name of Zinzendorf. Many of you know this story. But do you know that there were only 15 people 
when what became the Moravian movement or the Moravian revival began. One German and 14 Moravians came together with a heart that said we're going to seek the Lord and we're going to learn to love one another. In their early days, they had a lot of strife and conflict partly because they were refugees. They were displaced from their own home. They weren't in the, in the place where they knew, where it was their own heart language. They were uncomfortable and it was difficult. But God brought them together by His Holy Spirit. And that one church did more in international missions than all the rest of the church had done. They did more in international missions in 20 years than the rest of the church had done in the previous two centuries in sending people out. They went out across continents. They went to the United States, to Pennsylvania. Bethlehem, Pennsylvania was founded by the Moravian movements. They were so um, obsessed about missions and about taking the gospel to other cultures and other people that they began to build their own ships so that they could send people out. And it happened because of prayer and a commitment to love one another. If we can learn to love one another and pray with that same fervor, God can do something amazing absolutely incredible in us and through us. Well, this group that God is going to call, whoever it may be, they become a catalyst that stir up other believers and congregations. That's something that we need to be no matter what, that God will use us as a connecting point between mission groups and churches and languages that encourage one another and say, we're with you together. We want to see God be lifted up. If we're going to be a congregation that God uses, we need to grow and be united in prayer. And in that, our first priority must be to seek the Lord himself, to put God first and not just his blessings, to seek his kingdom and not just our comfort. Also, we have to engage individually. Every one of us says, this is what we must do. It's a commitment to making prayer not just a priority, but the first thing that we do. In Zechariah 21, 821, he says, let us go at once and entreat the favor of the Lord and to seek the Lord of hosts. It's an absolute priority. But what happens is if we seek the Lord in that way, he promises to bring revival. He'll change and transform our hearts and our lives and he'll transform the lives of people around us. All right, well, I wanna turn, invite you, if you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 18 and I wanna read just a few verses of a parable that is set in a, an interesting context. Um, Jesus, in Luke chapter 17, is talking about the end times. He's talking about his return. He's talking about what life is going to be like on the earth as we get closer and closer to his return. It's in that context. And he says in Luke chapter 18, he's encouraging persistence in prayer. 
And he says this in 18, verse 1. Then he told them a parable to the effect that they ought to pray and not lose heart. Okay, this is the purpose of this parable. He said, in a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a a woman in the city who kept coming to him saying, give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused. But afterward he said to himself, though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give them justice speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Now, a couple things I want to point out in this passage that I think are, is important. Number one, remember why he's telling the parable. He's not saying um, this is necessarily the things you are to do. He's saying, I want you to remember that as times get difficult, as you face opposition, as you see difficulty in your life, that is the very call to become more persistent, more diligent, more urgent in prayer. And as the world decays or deteriorates or gets more crazy, as it will leading up perhaps to to his return, that's the time to pray even more. It's easy for us to look at the circumstances of our world, the terrorism that happens almost, I mean, certainly on a weekly basis now. It's heartbreaking what's happening all around our world, in country after country, city after city. It tears at our heart. And we look at what happens in our governments and politics, and sometimes it's confusing and hard to understand. Sometimes it just almost makes us not know whether we want to cry or laugh because it's just crazy. But in the midst of that, What Jesus would say to us is, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if there's opposition against you. It doesn't matter if you're facing um, great uncertainty. Many of you, uh, because I saw you repost it, many of you saw the article that was in Expats um, this past week about uh, questioning whether or not religion would even exist anymore in the city of Prague in a short period of time. Well, the way to answer that is to pray. It's not to get frustrated or, or worried because it doesn't matter how unrighteous the judge is. God is bigger. And when we choose to pray, he opens doors and does things we could never do in our own strength or power. We could never do through influence. We could never do through programs. We could never do through, um, you know, the ability to, to speak well. None of those things are what brings transformation. It comes from prayer. Prayer will change things. And I find it incredibly interesting that Jesus ends that little parable with this question. 
Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Now, notice he doesn't say, will I find churches? Will I find gatherings of believers? He says, will I find faith? And he directly connects faith with prayer. If we want our faith to grow, we must pray. We must learn to pray. We must make it the top priority of our life. And here's the great thing. It doesn't require degrees. It doesn't require great learning. It simply requires us to pray. So why don't we do that, okay? I have a whole lot more sermon, but we don't need to hear it because it's really not important. Let's just pray. What I want to encourage us to do is just to, to take some time praying over some things together. And you can, you can do this. What I'm going to do is basically give us um, some prompts uh, about some things to pray about. And you can pray silently where you are. You can pray with two or three other people um, together um, or, or a larger group of that. If you're, if you're not comfortable, you can just sit there quietly and, and meditate and, and speak to the Lord on your own. But let's spend some time praying together and asking the Lord to do something.